We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Obviously, you would take the money. So why do you, sports fans, listening to this podcast, keep picking winners and then not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you can bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. And if you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you choose to bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will actually double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep podcast. My name is Kane Pittman and I am joined by Ty Windish as always. And Ty, uh, we spoke a little bit about the FIBA World Cup last week, but it is going to start to get really interesting now. Yeah, it is. We were just talking very briefly before recording here about the kind of wild nature of this second round of the uh, the tournament. You know, teams who are 3-0 obviously have a, you can argue, deserved a huge advantage over the 2-1 teams left. Every team only gets two games now until the final round to decide if they get it or not. And uh, I think we were talking our nations, respectively, USA and Australia getting in 3-0 close games for each of them um tough for turkey i will say and i will probably get there we'll we'll get there we'll get there but big advantages for those two nations less of an advantage unfortunately for Giannis's greeks 
which uh, comes in at 2-1 after a tough loss to Brazil. And a lot of trash talking from the Brazilian side after the game, very conveniently. But uh, it'll be tougher for Giannis, unfortunately, to, to make the final tournament or the final round of the tournament, I should say. Yeah, no question. And, and just for... Uh, so people know, so when you play the three group games at the start, and this is only something that has come in at this World Cup, it's the first time that they've done it. Uh, not only do the wins and losses carry over uh, to the next group, so uh, what happens is uh, the top two from one group and the top two from another group merge, form another group. You will play the two teams that you haven't played before, and then the top two after those two games will move on. Uh, but like I said, not only do the wins and losses carry over, but the point differential does as well. So uh, it becomes really complicated for teams that uh, weren't able to win uh, all their games in the group stage. And, and certainly uh, relating to the USA, they were very, very lucky <laughs> and, uh, against Turkey that Turkey couldn't make some free throws. So uh, for the Bucks that are still uh, or that are playing in the World Cup, uh, I just mentioned Turkey. So Turkey did get eliminated last night. So Ursa and Ilyasova's run at the World Cup is over. Uh, but Chris Milton, Brooke Lopez, Giannis, and Thanasis are going to move on. Uh, they actually go into the same group now. So uh, as you said, it's going to be really tough uh, for Greece if they can't win both of these games. Uh, and that obviously is going to mean that they're going to have to beat the USA. That game is at 7.30 a.m. Central Time on Saturday. Uh, USA versus Greece. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, just a lot of scenarios right now. And really, uh, before we get into what we have seen, uh, this becomes an absolute must-win for Giannis and, and, and Team Greece. It does, and it gets complicated. You know, I'm looking here to try and figure out the absolute best case for Bucks watchers. Uh, obviously, you want Greece to go and you want Team USA to go. It's unfortunate they have to play each other now. So I guess if Greece beats Team USA... And Greece beats the Czech Republic. They're up to four and one. And then USA obviously needs to beat Brazil, but then lose to Yeah, beat and lose to Greece. So they're four and one. And then Brazil needs to lose out, I think. Yeah, so they need to lose to the USA and Czech Republic. It's complicated, man. I, I think the chances, it's fair to say now, the chances of watching both all the Bucks, you know, Giannis, Tanasis, and obviously Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez move on, seem like they're pretty slim right now. I don't think there's odds on it. Like I keep seeing, unfortunately, for the Brewers, the percentage getting lower and lower every day for their chance of moving on. I don't think they, they have that out yet, but I would imagine the chances of both Greece and Team USA going on are tiny. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree. I, I think that uh, you're going to see the USA are going to move on. I, I, like I said, they escaped against uh, Turkey, and we will talk about that. But uh, for Greece, even if they do win both games and, and Brazil, um, well, that's that's a scenario. I mean, the Greece Greece could win both games, obviously, and then uh, Brazil could lose both, and then uh, Greece would move on. But again, it all starts with Saturday morning and, and the fact that uh, Giannis and Thanasis need to beat Team USA. And that's not out of the question. Certainly, Team USA has looked uh, vulnerable. Um, so they are beatable. Uh, but but that's a tough scenario. And really, uh, for this stage of the tournament, we sort of spoke about it. I kind of just wish that uh, with 16 teams left, 
uh, in in the tournament uh, in in the World Cup, you just made it knockout style from here and, and had a bracket rather than getting to the final eight before um, having your quarterfinals. I, I think that once you get through the group stage, make this scene knockout and, and just have one-off matchups and and not put yourself in a situation where you have these weird tiebreak situations that could occur because I, I just think that's not uh, that shouldn't be part of a tournament like this. Yeah, I agree, especially with the way that. You know, teams are drawn from the the first groups two from each to this one. It just sets it up so it can be very, I think, weird is the right word. Um, it's 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 interesting. It's gonna be. You mentioned the the USA Greece game. I think fair to say more important for Greece than than Team USA. I mean, if Greece lose if Greece loses from here, it's it's really not looking good at all. But I people keep saying I see I've seen this sentiment a few times. You know, on Twitter and in, in some discords and stuff. Like t- like team like the Greek team could really beat Team USA. I think they could. I really just have not seen consistent a uh, consistent strategy or consistent performances from the Greek team that really inspires me. I mean, I know Turkey isn't exactly a powerhouse. I mean, they got absolutely smacked by the Czech Republic to get eliminated, which was unfortunate for our friend Ersan. But uh, and USA struggled against them. But I just, I mean, that team. Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you think there's a good chance that, that Greece could beat Team USA at this point? As much as I sat here and and worried out loud about Team USA losing, I just don't know if Greece is going to be able to team that does it. No, I, I probably agree with that. Um, and it, it's look, it's going to be really, really interesting to see uh, how – uh, Team USA defends Giannis in the paint. Obviously, Miles Turner has been starting. Brook Lopez has become more and more in the rotation as games have gone on. I don't think that that has surprised anyone. He's still not playing a, a major role in the team, but he's he's certainly that second center now. So uh, we know that that Brook Lopez is obviously uh, with the Bucks last year one of the better uh, paint protectors in the entire NBA, and now uh, he will get a chance to go against the guy that. Uh, he's been against a lot in practice. <laughs> he knows what Giannis is going to try and do. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Team USA can slow them down. But uh, I tweeted, I was watching one of the exhibition games, um, and I think they were playing the Dominican Republic, actually, uh, Greece. And I, I said that, uh, I mean, Giannis was just so dominant. It was it was incredible <laughs> that uh, it just was so clear that the opposition had nothing they could do to stop him. And I tweeted something that I don't think this Greek – uh, team can do much if Giannis doesn't play 35 minutes and dominate. And uh, yeah, clearly, I mean, there's passionate fans out there that were uh, you know quick to try and remind me that the rest of this Greek team was great and they got this player and this player. But I think we've seen in the tournament that this Greek team is Giannis. And if Giannis doesn't play well, as he, he didn't against Brazil, they didn't win the game. And I wouldn't say that Brazil is a powerhouse in this tournament, but with Giannis not being at his best, uh, they couldn't get the win. And even last night, they just scraped home 103-97 uh, against New Zealand. So uh, really, uh, and they did control that game for the most part. So when I say scrape home, that's probably a little bit much. But uh, the point is, they're not exactly uh, cruising through these early games. And uh, I think Giannis himself hasn't been at his best. Uh, 24 points, uh, 10 rebounds and 6 assists last night. A couple of steals as well. So he certainly was out to to make a statement after the Brazil game. But uh, yeah, I, I just don't think that this Greek team, compared to some of these other nations out there, I mean, there are some really, really, really strong teams when you think of France and Serbia. 
Uh, obviously, USA, Australia is playing really well. Lithuania, who Australia just beat last night. I mean, there's a lot of really, really good teams out there. And I'm not sure that Greece, outside of Giannis going crazy, has, has the, the depth to, to match those teams. Yeah, and I think the USA, I mean, the, the advantage that Team USA has still, even though it's less so, is that, you know, typically you get just more big, skilled players. And, I mean, we've seen in the NBA level, I mean, that's you, if you throw a lot of big bodies at Giannis, I mean, it's not going to stop him. He's too good to be stopped, but it can, it'll slow him down a bit. And, you know, between the centers on the team, which uh, we've seen just briefly a couple of two-center lineups now that, that Pop has experimented with, and just some of the longer forwards like Harrison Barnes and even Chris Middleton, there's just a lot of athletic size that Team USA has to work against Giannis. And, you know, this sure, other players on the Greek team – aside from even, you know, Tenasis, but just it's it's going to be difficult for him to win on his own against this team. Even even if Team USA is a little disjointed, which it is, uh, I think we're seeing right now it's, you know, when the offense isn't Kemba Walker or just taking over, it's they, they kind of have struggled to figure out what to do exactly, which is going to be problematic in the latter rounds. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see this uh, this U.S. team play some of the other even more talented teams. Uh, you mentioned a few of them. I mean, especially France, Spain, Serbia, and Australia, who the, obviously we saw in the friendlies, but in the in the real action. I don't know. I'm excited to see how they match up against some of these other teams, but I just I don't think the the stage that Team USA is in right now, the the group they're in, I should say, I don't think any of these opponents worry me too much if I'm a, if I'm rooting for Team USA. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I think things are going to really get interesting once we get down to the to the final eight, and that's when it's going to start to get pretty wild. But uh, for Team USA, they they won last night uh, very easily, or this morning, I guess for for you, uh, they won very easily, ninety eight to forty five over Japan. Um, yeah, probably the most convincing they've looked uh, since coming together. And, you know, obviously Japan's not a great team, but uh, I still think that it was important for Team USA to have a game where they just dominated because they haven't had that. That's obviously what we're used to seeing with Team USA. And coming off that game against Turkey, maybe that was the wake-up call they needed. Uh, I'm not too sure, um, you know, whether that will prove to to be a positive thing for this team. But but Chris Milton, uh, again, he's really starting to find his rhythm a little bit. Last night, obviously... Uh, the minutes were spread. The shots were uh, distributed pretty evenly because of the uh, the way the game was playing. But Middleton, again, playing really major minutes now. And, and I will go back uh, to the Turkey game because I, I thought he was, was really good in that game. But last night he plays 21 minutes, has nine points, uh, six rebounds, six assists, and a uh, couple of steals with that as well. So, yeah, he, he did a lot across the board. Uh, and Brooke Lopez, who I touched on, is starting to play. A little bit more now. Played 17 minutes last night. Had seven points, four boards, and uh, and an assist there as well. And, and did hit a three. So, Brook Lopez hit his first three uh, with Team USA all together against Turkey. And, and he hit another one last night. So, I think the longer the tournament goes on, the Bucks guys are actually uh, starting to look better and better. Yeah, and I think that's good. Uh, it was early on a little... A little disappointing to see some of the uh, the the lines coming over from from the Bucks playing for Team USA, especially. Um, it was nice to see Ersan ball out, uh, coincidentally, but it has been encouraging, and I think you know it, it could say a lot about sort of you know 
I don't know. I, I don't want to be too homery here, but just that these are guys who are, you know, they play winning basketball. And I think it, it would say a lot if at the end of the day with Team USA, you know, the further they go, Chris and uh, Brooke Lopez continue to take sort of bigger roles here and be more important. It would kind of prove that, you know, these are the kind of winning players who, I mean, I just said it, they win games. And that's obviously the number one goal for the Bucks this season. So it's kind of nice, even though I wouldn't be too concerned personally. I know it, it's just, it's it's not, I don't look at, look at it as a real negative, but obviously you prefer to see the guys do positive stuff for their national teams. Yeah, and it was, and the Middleton one is interesting because I know that people get frustrated, or, or Bucks fans, I should say, not people, and uh, Bucks fans get frustrated a little bit that we've seen over the years that Chris Middleton has started the season slow. He, he's done that. That is a thing that has happened uh, pretty regularly uh, over the years, and uh, that was one of the reasons why I thought perhaps playing this World Cup uh, is going to be really good for him because you know when you think that the 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 way this tournament is going to play, it's going to lead directly into training camp and it's going to uh, lead into the uh, preseason for the NBA. So Middleton is, is in some respects, but potentially shaking this rust off now playing for Team USA, which is a, a kind of a wild thing to say. But I think we're starting to see that. His shot is starting to look good. Uh, that you know was probably the concern early. Uh, a little bit of carelessness with the ball as well, but certainly against Turkey, that was a Chris Middleton we know. He was getting to the spots that he likes. Yes, he was shooting some of those mid-ranges, but he was knocking down threes as well. He was uh, you know, making some really nice passes. And I, I think that it's important when you look at the box score from last night that, as I said, some carelessness with the ball. He was having too many turnovers in those early games. Back in Australia uh, and also early in the World Cup last night, six assists, zero turnovers. He just looks better. He looks like he's comfortable now. He looks like he's uh, got a feel for the FIBA game, which is a little bit different. And the big thing is his shot's looking good as well. So uh, Middleton had uh, 15 points off the bench, uh, led Team USA in that Turkey game. As I said, he had nine last night. So we're starting to see uh, the the Chris Middleton that we know, uh, that we've seen with the Bucks last year when he was an all-star through the playoffs, when he obviously played well. So uh, I think that, if anything, when people look at the negatives of, of players playing in the World Cup and perhaps being worried about different things that could potentially happen, uh, maybe this for Chris Middleton could be a really good thing. It might be. And it's uh, it'd be great if Chris didn't start slow this year just because we're, I've already, and I'm sure you have as well, seen a, a bunch of the stuff relating to his contract and how he's overpaid or whatever else. So just giving less fuel to those fires would be great, although it shouldn't be something that really affects Chris Middleton. <laughs> I think it's um, going to happen anyway. We know that. Yeah, we I mean, it is. It is. That's coming no matter what. Unless the average is 35, uh, 8, and 8 on, on 75% shooting from three, that's going to happen. I'll take that, though. I mean, he went to that against Boston. <laughs> that's a Boston line for Chris. Um, but the other thing that I was going to say – Oh, just – I do I, – I agree, obviously, he has looked better, and that, and that matters. Um, but I – do worry it's just hard to pull many meaningful trends in general just because of how wildly the the competition level changes from game to game i mean it would be really concerning if anyone didn't look good against japan no offense to japan as a nation but just not the best basketball team in the world clearly in the in the yeah in the world clearly as evidenced by being eliminated um it, it's just tough to look at you know oh this now he's shooting better well now he's playing japan so 
I think in this stage now, you get more of the legit teams. If we see this trend continue against Greece and then going forward, it would just mean more to me. I'm a little hesitant right now. He did play well in the in the Turkey game, but I, I just think I think a lot of guys looked really good in the in the Japan game. Unfortunately for Japan. Yeah, that's that's a fair call. Uh, and if you're talking about uh, opposition, though, we can we can probably transition into Giannis a little bit here. Uh, as I said last night, uh, 24, 10, and 6. And this game, I didn't see this game uh, from start to finish. It, I, I was covering the Australia game, and it was uh, they sort of crossed over. So, I, yeah, I, I wasn't watching this one as close as I had the first two for Giannis, but um, certainly following the box score and then had the stream in the background and uh, seven points in the first uh, two minutes, including a three, a, a nice-looking three for Giannis, which was a good thing to see. Uh, it was very clear, and, and I had a few people speak to me about, uh, obviously, uh, New Zealand's chances against Greece, and I pretty much said, uh, you got no chance because uh, Giannis <laughs> uh, responds to losses with ferocity, and he responds to uh, losses where he didn't play well even uh, more ferociously. And uh, I think we saw that right from the start. And uh, I think the first two minutes of this one was enough to see that New Zealand probably weren't going to be able to win that one. Yeah, nothing like a, a good Giannis revenge game. Always fun to watch. Probably not very fun to watch if, if you're on the other team or root for the other team. But one of those where you could just tell that and this is this is again kind of relates to the talent level thing. I mean, it didn't feel like that team really had a lot they could do to stop Giannis. And again, it when he plays a certain way, no teams really do. But uh, it'll be obviously a lot tougher against Team USA. But nice to see him find the most success he's found in this tournament. Really run up uh, the points a little bit. I think in general, it feels like there aren't a ton of individual high scoring performances unless your name is Bogdan Bogdanovic or Ursan, I guess. But it was nice to see Giannis put up, I think, 24 in that game and, and really get his uh, his scoring together. And just a, obviously his most complete game as well, which is comforting to see after a, an up-and-down start, I would say, to the, the friendlies and then the first round. Yeah, Giannis did certainly have some struggles uh, against Brazil. Uh, and just one thing I want to touch on, and I, I know I spoke about it on, on the last podcast uh, in, in terms of Giannis appearing frustrated at times and that was in an exhibition game against uh the dominican republic i just get the feeling when i watch Giannis right now that he is so determined to do everything and do everything perfectly and make sure he carries like greece to the win and he's not being selfish he's making the right play he's making the right pass but it just looks to me like he is pressing a little bit too hard to make everything happen and we know how passionate he is about playing for Greece. We know that he said he would give up his MVP for a gold medal at the World Cup. Uh, this is undoubtedly a huge goal of his. He's playing with his brother, really, for, for one of the first times that, you know, for, for his country. Um, so, again, we know how much this means to him, but I just am not as concerned as some people you see out there on the internet with the way Giannis is playing because, to me, it's just emotion right now that he's maybe... I wouldn't say getting the best of him, but but causing some of, of those issues that he had against Brazil because I think once uh, he had a couple of foul calls go against him early in the game and once he just his shot wasn't falling, he started to press a little bit too hard and, I, and then I think uh, that the, the results went against him after that for that reason. But I, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a sign of any type of... Um, 
you know, issue with Giannis or concern moving into the season. I just think that uh, he hasn't played in a major tournament for Greece before. And, and I think he just wants it so bad right now that he's trying to find that balance between uh, what is too much and, and where's the, the right uh, spot to be for him in terms of how hard he's pressing. Did you see the uh, the Jonathan Charks article on the ringer about him in international play? I did not. So I, I can see if, if Giannis read this, I can see why he was another reason he might have been pressing a little bit. Basically, Charks outlines you know, how good Giannis is and how much of an impact him and, and his brothers could make for Greece and then kind of segues a little wildly, in my opinion, to basically laying out that part of Giannis's eventual goat resume building could be beating Team USA with Team Greece and, and coming out on top of tournaments like this and it would mean so much more than the gold medals that the American guys get because they basically ensured it, you know, bringing a nation like Greece to get one would be such a, a more momentous thing. And it was interesting. I had to think about it a little bit. I hadn't really, I don't really think about Giannis legacy stuff that often. Uh, probably because he's, you know, 24, 25, 24, I think right now, right? Until December. Yeah. Um, 24 years old. So it's a little early to, to take that big of a, big of a picture, look at it, but was a little interesting. I mean, I could see – I don't know if this game in particular would be big enough. Maybe it would. But, you know, if Giannis led Greece to a gold medal, especially in the Olympics, which I think was Chark's point was the Olympics, not the World Cup, which would be even more even more difficult to do because you imagine Team USA will have a, a better squad then. But I, I suppose that would be a, a pretty meaningful, special thing. And it would be certainly if you look at a basketball player as more than just their NBA uh, resume, it would be one of the highest accomplishments you could you could uh, achieve. Yeah, no question. And I, I think particularly uh, when you look at where Greek basketball is at right now, um, and and this team is one that has a lot of veterans. There's a lot of guys that we've seen play for Greece for a long time. Nikolaitis uh, obviously is a guy that that has been ar- around forever and, and a, a bunch of other guys. Papa Nikolaou, there's, there's a heap of guys in this, in this Greek team that have been around. So uh, I think when you watch this team now, if, and and obviously they're still in the tournament, it's still a chance if they beat USA on, on Saturday, uh, they give themselves a real good shot of, of moving on. Uh, if Giannis was able to win, I would say any medal, not just gold at, at, at this tournament, it would be an amazing achievement, and I'm sure that he would not settle for anything other than gold. But uh, I, you know, considering the team that they have, I, I just think it would be uh, an unbelievable achievement, and yeah, probably something that that looks pretty good on his resume, particularly if uh, they beat USA on on the way through to that medal. Um, and, but th- this is going to be one of those things when you when you look at, at guys that that don't play in tournaments. I'm just not sure, uh, certainly not for quite a while anyway, given his age. Uh, I'm not sure that Giannis is ever going to pass up the opportunity to play uh, for Team Greece, no matter no matter what that means for his body, no matter how fatigued he is. He's just a guy that that wants to compete, and uh, it, I'm sure that as these tournaments go on, and maybe it's the Olympics next year, or maybe it's the next uh, tournament after that, uh, I think that he will find that balance, and he'll understand uh, the the FIBA game better, which is obviously very unique. And this is something that uh, I commented on after the Brazil game. I, I think that it's been a real adjustment. There's different rules in this game. Guys are clearly being able to be even more physical with him than they than they are uh, in the NBA. He's not getting some of the calls he would normally get. 
and that's leading to, as I said, a little bit of frustration and, and maybe uh, forcing some stuff. Uh, you know, certainly the other night, I, I think it was it was much improved last night. But yeah, this is all a, a process for him. But there's no doubt that he's got his mind set on on winning a goal for Greece at some point, and probably right now. <laughs> yeah, knowing Giannis, it is right now. But uh, there is usually a process to follow. Uh, as our friends sort of in Philadelphia would say, you got to trust the podcast or the, the process, excuse me. Just, you, know, you should trust the you podcast should, as well, people. We, we just want to make that clear. Trust the podcast. Trust the podcast as well. And speaking of trusting us, you know, here on this podcast, Kane and myself, all of the Blue Wire podcast hosts, you know, a lot of us use Harry's Razors. And if you visit their website, you can check out all different shave sets and face care products. There's all sorts of options. You can join us and the rest of the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer right now, today, sometime, soon though, by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Harry's founders were two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Who can relate? Everyone. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. And if you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. This summer, you can refresh your wallet and your face. Two important things to refresh with a Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, and rich lathering shave gel that will keep you smelling great. Plus, I said and like that was the last thing. How foolish of me. There's so much. There's also a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of Eurostep, the Eurostep, can redeem their trials to the harrys.com slash blue wire. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash blue wire to redeem your offer and let them know that we here at the podcast sent you to go take advantage of this great offer. And while you're on the internet, if you're selling something online, you know that getting your orders out can be a real pain in the keister. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders no matter where you're selling. Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface. Gets your orders out quickly, helps you save money on shipping costs, and ShipStation will keep your customers happy and right now. Eurostep listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E. There is absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder that ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. All you need to do is visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. You know what to do, Kane. Make ship happen. Yeah, it's a work of art. As always, Ty, that was um, that was some good stuff. I really, I can't stress enough how much I struggled uh, with the ad rates when when uh you were working that that one or two podcasts it was it was brutal it was uh almost as brutal as ursine's uh, shooting night last night and Ooh. uh i didn't mean that but that just came to me that was uh i'm pretty happy with that but uh ursine unfortunately had a monster first two games uh for turkey and and as 
you know, we spoke about a couple of times, Nelly lifted uh, Turkey to what would have been a, I would say a, a historic win for, for Turkish basketball. Uh, if they could have got over Team USA, I don't really care who's playing for Team USA, that would have been a big deal for them. And in the end, uh, it was free throws that cost them. They missed four straight free throws with under 10 seconds left. Couldn't get the win. Ersan uh, missed a three at the buzzer uh, in overtime. This was the other night. But last night, uh, Ersan finished 0 for 9 from the field, uh, just six points. Uh, it was an unfortunate end for him. Uh, and and Team Turkey, and they could not get the win over the Czech Republic. So Turkey is gone, but Ersan, through three games, despite that uh, rough night last night, still finishes with averages of 16 points, 9.3 rebounds. He had 23 and 14 against the US the other night. He really led this, this Turkish team from the front. Yeah, it was disappointing that between the USA game and then the Czech Republic game that Ersan and, and Jetty Osman couldn't seem to get hot at the same time. Yeah. I think in the in the USA game, Jetty comes away with 15 points, which isn't terrible, but that's in 38 minutes. And then I know in the last game they got eliminated, Chetty had 24. You know, if he can pour in 24 in that USA game, that's probably a different story, even with those missed free throws. But obviously, then Ersan with the with the bummer Ofer game from the field. It is disappointing. I mean, I don't, I don't know what people, how people viewed Turkey before the tournament. I feel like they wouldn't have expected that close of a game against the U.S. I think it would have been an upset for them to get to the, the second stage here, the second round, I should say. But it certainly would have been fun to watch, you know, Ersan lead his country to that much closer to a, a medal there. Um, you know, it kind of makes me think, I mean, obviously, this is a very complicated issue. I don't want to expound on too much, but unfortunate that because of all sorts of complicated reasons, not all of the Turkish basketball players can play on this team. Uh, obviously referring to Anis Kanter, who despite not being known as a, an incredible defender, certainly a player of his caliber offensively on the glass would have provided some help to a Turkish squad that has kind of a surprising amount of NBA firepower as is. Yeah, no, they do. They've got, they've got a, a strong uh, roster. And I think it really speaks to, uh, you know, how strong they, these international teams are getting. And a lot of these teams uh, have played together a lot. And, and the style that they play uh, outside uh, of, of America, particularly the European teams, they just play Team Barcelona. They play really well. And uh, I think Ersan here, it raises some eyebrows, I guess, uh, from some people that haven't seen Ersan uh, play for Turkey before. This guy's a leader on this team. He's played for Turkey forever. I mean, we, we know he's played in the NBA forever, but he has been an absolute stalwart uh, of this Turkish national team. So uh, f- for him, uh, he comes in, and it's a, it's a completely different role. In, in Milwaukee, he's there. He plays his role of rebounds, shoots some threes, uh, chips in here or there. For Turkey, he's one of the lead guys, and uh, he, he generally thrives in that role. And I think we saw that. Uh, the 23-14 and 14, uh, against the USA it was just a monster game from him. He had another double double in, in the first game. Uh, so for for Ersan, uh, the the point is that this guy doesn't have any fear about playing against anyone because he's played uh, European basketball before. He's played in the NBA forever. When he looks at this team USA team, there's there's really probably no one on that team that Ersan is uh, intimidated by or, or concerned about playing against. And, and I think that showed, and that's why having these NBA veterans in these uh, FIBA teams becomes uh, so vital because uh, 
they don't feel the pressure that perhaps some of the the younger guys would. And uh, again, I think Anderson Vergeau against uh, Greece had twenty and ten. Not even in the NBA anymore. Thirty six years old, he still had that monster game uh, against Giannis. So uh, I think that again, it's the FIBA game is just so unique. But I, I think it points to some of these guys that have been around uh, the national teams for so long um, that it really shows their experience in in those moments. Yeah, it does. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out, you know, over the rest of the tournament. It feels like a lot of the teams that USA could see if they advance. So I'm going to do this on the fly, so it's going to be terrible radio. But USA is in Group K, so they're going to see someone from Group L, I believe, in the first round. And the teams in Group L, if you look going forward, are France, Australia, Lithuania, and the Dominican Republic. So... I think we chatted off air a little bit about the fact that it'd be tough for Lithuania to get in now. I, I don't think the Dominican Republic will. So probably France and Australia. So could see these two teams facing off uh, sooner rather than later in this tournament. But obviously Australia has NBA vets, Andrew Bogut being the, the oldest. But, I mean, Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, Matthew Delavadova, a lot of guys who certainly aren't going to go at anyone with any sort of a fear, I think. Fear is the last thing that Team Australia plays with, and then France has been through this a lot. Even without Tony Parker, still Rudy Gobert on defense isn't going to be afraid of anyone, even if Giannis will put him on a poster once in a while. I mean, obviously, he doesn't have to worry about Giannis from Team USA, but uh, just a lot of stalwart NBA players. And then just because someone isn't in the NBA, or even if they never were, I mean, Verjao was good, and he used to be, but... There are a lot of these players who I think American fans who don't follow the overseas teams aren't going to know, but they might come to know pretty soon. I mean, there are some really good players out there, especially in the context of FIBA basketball within their teams that you might never have heard of. They might never have played in the NBA. They can still make a hell of an impact on the game. I think that's going to become very apparent uh, in the teams. And the teams Team USA has to play against, especially – in the in the third round when we get to the knockout stage. Yeah, no, like I said, it's once we get through these first two games, and I, I think that there's certainly going to be some really unlucky teams that are going to miss out through, um, in my opinion, what the, the stupid rules are that there's going to be tiebreakers. That's the way this is going to end up, and there's going to be some very unlucky teams. Once you get to that final eight, the knockout stage, uh, it's going to be must-watch uh, viewing from there. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. But uh, we've sort of gone through everything, but before we wrap up, I... For those that didn't see this, and there's some crazy FIBA rules, and I, I want to ask how you feel about two in particular. Uh, the first one is obviously the goaltending rule. So in FIBA basketball, uh, goaltending, you still can't touch the ball if, if uh, someone uh, you know has a shot and it touches the backboard first. You can't swat the ball away then. If the ball's on the way down, you can't uh, swat the ball away. But once the ball touches the rim, you're allowed to do whatever you want with it over the cylinder, which is just, it's insane. It, it's kind of fun to watch though. So that's the first rule. And that came into full effect in the Greece-Brazil game the other night where a Greek player was, a Greek player was, and I can't remember who it was, was shooting the free throws. And uh, the Brazilian player, as soon as the, the ball touched the rim on the free throw, the Brazilian player... Uh, jumped up, swatted the ball into the stands, and that was the game. The game was over. So it, it's just a wild way to see a game finish. And the other one is the uh, the other one is the unsportsmanlike foul, um, which is it's a crazy rule. It, it's not. It's almost like uh, the it's almost like the clear path foul 
on steroids. If you if if a fast break is about to start, uh, and it could be in the backcourt, there can be players ahead of you, and you grab a player or you commit a, an intentional foul. It's two free throws and and possession straight away. So uh, that has has changed games already. Just from uh, and it's a lot of the times it's NBA players that take a what would be considered a smart foul uh, that that results in just a, a, a huge. Uh, you know, issue for for that team with two free throws and uh, also sideline possession. So, uh, I mean, what do you? Th- how do you feel about these these two rules? And and you know, is, would you add any of those two bring them into the NBA? Uh, maybe maybe look at the clear path one because uh, I feel like right now I kind of refer to the clear path rule as like an urban legend that doesn't really happen that often, even when it feels like it's pretty yeah. applicable. Maybe not to the degree that the uh, – I forget what it's called already, but the, the FIBA version is. But as far as the goaltending, I see a lot of people really like this. And I I can't bring myself to be in favor of that rule at the NBA level just because, I mean, it, it just feels like it would curtail a whole lot of offense. I mean, imagine the Kawhi shot that beat the 76ers, the bounces. And after bounce one, I mean, Embiid wasn't around, but you know Ben Simmons just jumps up and smacks it out of there and that's game. I mean – I actually feel like it takes a little bit away from the game. You know, I enjoy shots that kind of bounce around and then go in. I mean, maybe Philly fans feel differently and, and wish that rule was in place. But I just, I mean, I think it's hard enough to make an NBA three-pointer, even though some guys in the league like Steph Curry will make it look easy. It, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to shoot a good percentage. And now if you can just have centers stand by the basket and watch it bounce once and then just grab it, I just think it takes a lot away from from offense. And really, I mean – Maybe in, in FIBA it's a little different, but the NBA has there's going to be a lot of guys on the court at all times who are six foot ten and very athletic. I think it would come up a lot. I think the game would look entirely different, and scores would probably be a lot lower. Yeah, it's interesting because I I think it is really fun. Um, I think it also could get really old really quick if that was a, a common rule. I I spoke to when the guys were in Australia. I, I spoke to Brooke Lopez and, and also. Uh, Aaron Baines uh, about the rule and asked them whether they like it. And they were both like pretty into it. They, they thought that it gave them a chance to have more involvement uh, or make uh, more impact plays on you know defense um, and offense for that matter when, when you can tip in balls. So that's the other thing. It's not just a defensive um, aspect of this. You can obviously, if the ball's on the rim, you can, you can throw it down and it's not going to be offensive interference. So um, they were kind of into it, but I do wonder... How quickly? Because the the other thing is that these guys are not used to this rule. So there's plenty of times where you're watching and it could probably happen and they could probably go up and get the ball and they don't. And, and I think that's just through habit um, of not, uh, you know, being tuned to do that and to go up and get the ball. So uh, I do wonder if you were looking at an NBA season and these guys uh, figured out that that's what you can do. And then every single play, there's just big guys flying up and swatting balls away. I, I think that the, the rule might get old pretty quickly. So I, I do kind of agree. Um, and and the, the unsportsmanlike foul for mine, um, I, I just, I, I don't, and I, I see what you mean about the clear path foul, but I, I just think that the, this rule is too strict in the way that uh, it, it really forces you I mean, it does take away the intentional foul, but I mean, sometimes we see, uh, and we see it a lot in the NBA where someone might, 
uh, a player, Giannis, for instance. I mean, he's he's the king of this. He does this all the time, where he'll just give away a little frustration foul uh, and stop the play, and it, it can be under the opposite, up, uh, under your own basket, and then straight away, right down the other end of the floor, two free throws and possession. It it really can be game changing. I'm not sure I really like that one. So I, I think FIBA basketball is so wild, and I enjoy the chaos while it's here. But I, I probably agree with you that I, I'm not sure if I'd be bringing them into the into the NBA regular season. I do think there should there could be some rules that could change. I've always been in favor of a running clock in the NBA because I think it would really speed up games, and I just enjoy the fact that then it becomes less of a start stop, you know, more orchestrated coaching game, and and more of just a feel. You your players really have to know just what to do in, in a lot of situations automatically. I just I like that a lot. I don't think the NBA will ever get there. Maybe we'll see, but uh, that that would be my my personal favorite sort of rule change, I guess. Uh, and I know a lot of people are paranoid about the challenge, but after watching a lot of G League basketball, it I can tell you it really did not come up that often at all. Interesting. That could be that could be another. This could be another another podcast rules. It, it, it's interesting. There is a lot of uh, obviously. Um, you know, complaints that people have or problems they have. And maybe we could throw it out to the listeners one time to uh, give us their rule changes and we can go through and, and have a fun podcast like that before the season starts. But uh, like we said, FIBA World Cup now through the first round, moving into the second round, well, after today. But our guys, the Bucks guys, are, are, are through the first round. So uh, like I said, Saturday morning, 7.30 a.m. Central Time, uh, you're going to see uh, Giannis Thanasis take on Chris and Brooke. Uh, this game is a, a one that means a lot. As we said, potentially means more for Giannis and Greece if they lose. Uh, they are essentially going to be knocked out of, of the World Cup after one more game. So an absolute must win for Giannis. Uh, this should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it should. And uh, I mean, I guess it's not super relevant specifically because not all those players are former Bucks now, but shout out to uh, Australia for qualifying for the Olympics by being the far the, the team from Oceania region to make it the farthest. Yeah, it was a it was a big day yesterday for Australia. They they obviously Lithuania, long time rivals of Australia, a really good basketball nation, a big win uh, for Australia. Aaron Baines, uh, twenty one and thirteen, and Paddy Mills is just I I mean these guys. It's so funny. I've always said this, but these veterans and you touched on a few of them. But Bogut Ingles <clears throat> Ingles leads the whole World Cup in assists. He's averaging uh, nine assists a game. It's just ridiculous. He was one assist off the first uh, triple-double ever in World Cup history the other night. But, yeah, these Australian veterans, I don't know. They go to another level uh, when they play for Australia. It's a lot of fun. But uh, we might we might have another podcast coming up soon previewing an Australia-USA game. So uh, I, I think we'll probably uh, definitely be back next week uh, to recap these and see who's left in, whether it's just Chris and Brooke, whether Giannis and Thanasis are still in the tournament, but we will be back next week. I'm sure there's going to be some more uh, crazy results in the World Cup. And, uh, and Ty, uh, you got anything else to add? Because uh, this was ended up being a, a pretty busy week of basketball. It did, which is fun. I like when international basketball kind of picks up in this dead zone here. But aside from that, I don't really have anything to add. And also, of course, that thank you so much for listening dear listeners uh be sure to subscribe on your on your platform if you aren't already to always get the new episodes you know rate and review on said platform as well if it if it allows it obviously on itunes those are big for us really uh just boost the uh the platform of the show and the whole blue wire network of which we are happy to be a part 
Uh, and then spread the word. You know, tell people about the show, the Eurostep. Uh, Going to be picking up soon, I'm sure. Uh, probably record just more episodes and just much more to talk about in general once the NBA season gets closer and then starts up again. We're getting close, so get ready for that. Subscribe, tell your friends, uh, write it down, send people letters. People still do that. I don't know. But thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.